Welcome to Troubadours on Trek. This is your captain speaking, Grace Pettis. I'm a big star. Trek fan. I'm also a working musician and a songwriter. I review episodes of Star Trek with other musicians and music industry professionals. We share an episode of the greatest science fiction series of all time. And they share their songs and road stories with us. New fandom is created. Our Spotify playlist, like the universe, continues to expand. Guys, guys, we're being hailed. Well, my guest today is Fabian Perez, and uh, some of you listening may know that Fabian is my manager. Um, and I want to say that we started working like in 2018. Is that right? I'm really bad with years. Yeah, I'm bad too. I think it was 2018. Maybe we started talking in 2018 and then started working together in 19. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like by the time I was on tour that fall, we were working together, but, um, based on my Facebook, you know, memories. Oh yeah. When was that EP? Um, 2018? I think that was, yeah, I see, like, I think that that was the fall of 2018 was that tour with that EP. So that's what I think. And the EP I'm talking about, for those of you that don't know, is one called Blue Star and Red Sky. That was one that I made with uh, Callaway Rich. It was just a little acoustic acoustic EP that we made. And I released it at the same time that I released um, an EP with Nobody's Girl. Um, so that was a, that was a busy fall for sure. But yeah, anyway, but it's been, you know, it's been almost four years, I want to say. So that's a decent amount of time. Um, and I feel like I kind of know you, but I also, there's also a lot I don't know about you. (laughs) Like, for example, uh, you were born and raised in Austin, which I did know in Leander, which is just North of Austin. Um, and I knew that you went to Texas A&M, but like, I did not know that you were in the core of cadets. Like. I actually had to look that up because I didn't know what it was. I was like, is this like the military? But it's like not the military. And it's like, it's like a marching band maybe, but there's horses and like, I don't know. It's like very established and fancy, but like what, what even is it? So. Yeah. It's a, I mean, in short, it's a big military fraternity basically. And it's, it's basically like ROTC in college. Mm. Um, but like, when but you were in the military, though, right? No, but like the history of A and M, like from day one when A and M opened its doors, like you had to be in the Corps Cadets. So there, there was that's it, and it oh, was wow. men, men only. And then I think in, I think in the seventies they started allowing women to come in, and then they, you know, allowed non regs, which was non regular people to come in, which the non-regulars were people that weren't in the core cadets. So okay. it was weird. Um, <laughs> so what did you do? Did you like, did you ride a horse or like, did you? No, <laughs> there's like other groups inside of the core cadets that, you know, it's Parsons mounted cavalry, which is what you see the horses. Um, and then there's like Ross volunteers who are the personal guardians of the governor of Texas. So like, usually if you see, some kind of big ceremony and you see these guys in white solid outfits. That's the Russ volunteers. They're all Whoa. Texas A&M. So it's, like, it's kind of like Texas has its own military sort of, it's like a way of uh, I around that. say that. <laughs> like, Did you have a gun? No, but then there's, um, it's called the fish drill team. Um, they had guns. Whoa. Well, they, it was like a drill team. Like it was all like, they weren't working guns. Oh, okay. It's just like sort you of know. like a drill. Yeah. Drill stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So, what What was your job in the? I cadets? was like the complete rebel. <laughs> I uh, like once I figured out the system, like I did everything I could to like not like I was probably the worst cadet ever. Um, like just, once I, I well, once I became an upperclassman and no one really cared anymore. Like I started growing my hair out and I just hid it underneath <laughs> my biter. <laughs> and like anytime uh actual officer in the military would see me, they would like go to haircut. I'm like, eh, whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not actually because, in the military. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm not in the military, it's but like, and that's one thing you could tell by the uniforms. Cause after your, your freshman to sophomore years, the military basically pays for your uniforms, rentals, oh, wow. I guess. And then at the end of your sophomore year, they ask you, 
um, do you want to go military contract? Because if you do, then we'll continue paying for your outfits. But if not, oh, then wow. you'll lose, you'll have to start paying for them yourselves. And oh, there's some other stuff, yeah. but then it changes the patch on one of your arms. Um, because if Whoa. you have two A and M patches, then they know that you're just dressed in ceremony is what they called it. So it's just um, a way, it's like a way of like coercing you to join the military basically. Basically. Yeah. But um, you didn't join though. Like, did you, did you get to keep your uniform? No, they let you keep like the camouflage, um, uniforms. Cause they had uh-huh. like, they embroidered your name into them. So, um, yeah, I kept those, but, and I kept my boots cause the boots cost a thousand dollars. So they cost a thousand. Wait, 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 wait. They cost a thousand dollars. They're handmade boots. Like for like before when I got accepted into A&M and I knew I was joining the Corps of Cadets, like I went to my orientation and I went to this, the original boot maker is called Holix and they would go and take every single measurement on your foot and your ankles and your calves. And these were like built for your, for your person. Like that's it. So, wow. And then by your junior year, they still fit? say that again. They still fit. Uh, I haven't tried them on in a while. I mean, I assume they fit my feet, but it might be a little snugger in the, in the calf area. But, uh, yeah. Oh my God. So, Anyway, amazing. Do you ever do you ever wear them for anything or no, no? They're like big (laughs) Nazi looking boots. They're pretty ridiculous. Like they go up to my knee. Like it's it's ridiculous. Google Google Cork Cadet outfit and like look for seniors because they're senior boots. Like you can only wear them when you're seniors. Senior boots. Got it. Yeah. Senior boots that the army will pay for. It no, no, the army. army wouldn't pay for these. Like these are the army won't even pay for your boots. No, this is this is all on your own dime. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and if you well, want to really spend some money, you can buy a sword and all that other shit. Well, and I'm like, I didn't do that. I'm like, I I was tired with all the reindeer games. So yeah, although like I think I'd probably rather have the sword than the boots. You know, well you had to have the boots because they were part of your uniform. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is like it's too bad the the sword was optional, but the boots weren't. You know, it should have been the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so but fast forward, and you've now been in the uh, the music business for you know ten years, give or take, and you've worked with Delta Spirit, Pedro the Lion, Ruthie Foster, Wild Child, David Ramirez, The Wild Reeds, Mineral, Low Tom, Israel Nash, Leslie Stevens, Leon the Third. And obviously yours truly. Um, but you, and you haven't just managed artists. You've also tour managed for artists. And you've done that for Ruthie Foster and David Ramirez and Glorietta, Israel Nash, Pedro the Lion. And you've worked with some labels like Lost Highway Records and Public Hi-Fi, which, um, and I think you had told me this before, but I forgot, was started by Jim Eno of Spoon, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's cool. And I know you're still, you're still doing stuff with that label, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since we've done anything. Um, since Spoon kicked back up into, you know, recording and touring and stuff, but, um, yeah, they seem to be pretty busy. Yeah. Um, they had to cancel their show tonight due to COVID, but, um, oh. it's very smart of them. I commend them for that decision. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's, that's going around. Yeah. <laughs> And the, sure. I mean, one of the owners who's also a friend, John Doe, he was uh, supposed to open, but he got COVID. So he had to cancel. Oh, man. Yeah. So, like everybody and their mom has COVID right yeah, now. Truthfully, so. and I can actually say that I have COVID and my mom <laughs> and my dad. I wasn't going to say no, it. No, <laughs> it was, yeah, I can say it. They're fine. I hopefully cross my fingers. They're they're fine. But uh, everybody's vaccinated and boosted, which makes a big difference. Yeah. Because um, I feel like we're all going to get it, no matter how careful we are. You know, it's just it's kind of a matter of time. Yeah, I was saying that last night. Like you are honestly my only fear. Like I, I just hope you catch it once you're back in Ireland and not here. I know, because yeah, that's some of the folks listening. Like I've been in Ireland for. 
um, a while now, just sort of laying low and uh, waiting for the spring when I have some some tour dates back in the states. But um, we were here visiting family for Christmas, and so we've just been really locked down, like hoping that we can <laughs> just stay negative long enough to get back on the plane to Ireland because you know you have to test before the flight and all this. So, but yeah, I feel like you know having known you for a few years now. The thing that I know about you is that you're you're really good with basically everything business related. So like managing finances, project management, keeping like a team of people motivated on the same page, um, just like doing stuff with events and publicity and all these skills that make you a really good manager. But like, honestly, they're also the kinds of skills that you could have applied to like literally anything else. So, um, cause I think just basically every industry on the planet needs people who have their shit together and, uh, can make things happen. Like it's just a very universal skill. So I guess my question that I think the listeners would probably want to know is how did you end up in music specifically, especially since, I mean, you play a little guitar, but you yourself are not a musician or a songwriter. So how did you end up spending all your time with like crazy ass musicians? Um, I mean, my circle of friends that I, you know, keep and I guess that I was hanging around when I became, uh, or got into the industry, uh, were all musicians. Um, but honestly, like Lost Highway, like I didn't, I was not on Lost Highway payroll, although they were discussing it at one point. Um, like I just ran their street team here in Austin and that's why they were talking mm-hmm. about paying me. I'm like, Hey, you run this whole crew, blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. like flying into Nashville and, you know, the seeing all the ins and outs, like that's when I really, you know, like, Ooh, I could do this, you know, I'd mm-hmm. want to do this, but, but I was also running my family business, you know, back home. So like I, that's where I really got my, my business, you know, sense savvy from, from my folks. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it was honestly one day during lunch, um, the first band that I started working with mineral um, Jimmy Eat world was talking about putting on this, this festival and reuniting and mineral used to tour with them back in the day. And they're like, Hey guys, how about you reunite and come play this show? And I mean, if you were smart, you'd probably pick up some shows on the way and on the way home and, you know, try to make some money at it. And they're like, well, right. Fabian, you're good with money. Cause I was a financial advisor at the time. <laughs> Um, how about you become our business manager? And, you know, my other friends, like, you know, everything in the music industry, how you manage us. And I'm like, eh, sure. And, uh, so that were, they were mineral was my very first business management client, which is just basically watching all the money come in and out and budgeting things and, you know, tour accounting and all that other stuff. Trying to make sure at least a little bit more comes in than out. Yeah. Yeah. Making yeah. sure it's like, oh no, you can't get a bus. Like you, you'd be <laughs> yeah. in the negative. You know, you right, get a sprinter. Right. You know, right. Um, but yep. after doing that for a bit, um, in the financial advising, which I was still doing at the time, like I started my own company and started working for myself, and stopped wearing mm-hmm. as much. I started, I stopped wearing suits altogether (laughs) and I started growing my hair out. It got, uh, you know, I was starting to look the, the role of of a musician, although I didn't play a musical instrument. Um, Mm -hmm. but then one of my other, uh, investment clients, I was doing an annual review and I went up to her door and she's like, Oh my God, are you a musician now? What are you doing? And I was like, and it was pretty (laughs) hilarious. And, um, yeah, (laughs) And it was a neighbor of Ruthie Foster who, like, being from A&M, Ruthie's from College Station as well. She's like, hey, do you know who Ruthie is? I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, I think she's looking for a new business manager and blah, 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 blah. Forgot everything about it. And a couple of months later, I got a phone call from, from Ruthie. And, um, oh, wow. you know. Yeah, that was definitely one of the uh, questions on my list. And I know you've told me this story before, but, like, I'm asking you to repeat stuff because other people don't know yeah. this about you who are listening. And, um but like, you know, I obviously worship the ground that Ruthie walks on. So, and that was, that was our first connection. You know, Ruthie's the one that introduced me to you. So, 
Yeah, that was definitely one of the questions on my list was how you first heard Ruthie and how you started working with her. Yeah, that was, I mean, going back to that phone call, like she's like, hey, this is Ruthie Foster. Do you know who I am? I'm like, Ruthie, I went to Texas a and I saw you every Tuesday at Chelsea Street Pub at Post Oak Mall. <laughs> yes, I know who you are. And she just starts laughing. And she's like, all right, this phone call's over. We need to meet face-to-face. <laughs> I was like, awesome. okay. And then obviously I think I won her over and, you know, we worked together for oh, six, eight years. Oh shit. Probably 10 years almost. Um, yeah. That's and awesome. then, yeah. So, but, and then there's David Ramirez, um, obviously like just one of the most amazing songwriters, uh, and most talented people on the planet, um, and a mutual friend. And, uh, you want to tell the good people how you how you ran into David Ramirez? Uh, well, I was his business manager um, for, I, I guess I'm still his business manager as well, but um, I was friends with his manager here in, uh, who lived in Austin at the time. And um, he was moving back to LA cause he also does voiceover work and um, thought he would do better out there in LA on that aspect. Mm-hmm. And um you know, and then COVID happened and he just mm-hmm. got remarried and bought a new house in Sonoma. And, you know, you know, just like a majority of people, like those first few months, shit really days, probably in COVID, you're sitting there at your house mm-hmm. by yourself thinking like, what am I mm-hmm. doing with my life and reevaluating everything? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, but so for, for him, it, you know, it took probably six months into it and then he, you know, just, bowed out of the music industry altogether and um oh wow yeah you know and i i wish i could say that was rare but like i know a lot of people that that's that's the story yeah you know um you know and david and i had already you know created a bond and you know whenever he'd had solo runs and it didn't make economic sense to pay for a front of house engineer tour manager and you know we wanted to save money i would just go mm. and, and tm for him so um, yeah, it makes sense. you know, yeah. And which is yeah. basically what I've done all of 2021, you know, with those same dates, like, you know, you mm-hmm. know, honestly, any band that's touring right now, any musician that's playing shows, they're doing it for one reason and it's, it's to make money, sadly, you know? Yeah. Well, and I feel like the, the people like David who are kind of beloved enough, you know, that they had a big enough fan base before COVID hit, like that they're still able to make a little money touring solo, even if the crowd is like much smaller or if like less people are coming out than usual or whatever, like, um, there I'm really like envious of that. Cause like, I definitely haven't, I didn't do the thing where like six months and I'm like, I guess I should quit music. Like I'm still definitely like trying to do music, but it, and this is something we've talked about. It's just a really hard time to be touring right now. Um, you know, it's hard to make it work financially, but then also there's just so much more risk for artists being out on the road. It's like if you get COVID, you're just paying for hotels out of your own pocket to quarantine and stuff. So it's, it's definitely definitely been a challenge. Um, but yeah, but I'm glad that like some of us, at least like David, are able to be out there doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, the shows were great and like, it was a morale booster, you know, but at the same time it was, you know, they weren't rough shows, but you can, you can tell it was, there was some rust, you know, that had to get Mm -hmm. wiped off, you know, those first few shows. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, like he realized and remembered that he loved being on the road and yeah. Yeah. Even if it's different, even if it's like, you know, with masking and all this stuff, it's like everything's a little bit different, but it's still better than not doing it, you know? Yep. So, yep, yep, yep. yep. Well, which do you prefer, like managing artists or managing tours? <laughs> you know, I mean, as you probably know, I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I love managing, but I also love traveling and, um, you know, I prefer the exotic type of traveling, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was tour managing Ruthie for two years, like I was flying to so many places that I've never been before. And yeah, you know, that was a sweet gig. Yeah. And going to venues that, you know, 
Carnegie Hall that you just like, what, you know, I'm here, yeah. you know, yeah. as well as, you know, with David and whatnot and, you know, the wild reeds and, you know, they're playing these venues. I'm like, so like I'm single with no kids. Uh, I'll just buy a plane ticket and go see one of these bands that I work with. And, you know, mm-hmm. so it was an excuse. Um, I love, it's nice to be able to have that ability. Yeah. You know? I definitely, I like tour managing when I have to, um, but I, I feel like I become too much of a papa bear and like Mm -hmm. no artist wants, you know, a father figure over their shoulder bearing down on the the whole time. So like, yeah, if everything's planned accordingly, um, you know, Mm -hmm. either send the artists out on their own or, you know, send them out with somebody. So I would definitely. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're good at the day-to-day, but I, I think you're also, you're good at like the long-term kind of big picture stuff too, which I think yeah. is a skill that not everybody has. Well, but know? to answer your original question, I would prefer managing versus tour managing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of figured you were going to say that, but I felt like I had to ask yeah. um, for the benefit of everyone that doesn't know you. Um, so and in that vein, like what is your history with Star Trek? Um, you know, I watched it growing up, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a Trekkie, uh, by any means. Did you watch like next, next generation? Or? That's what I did watch the most was next generation. Um, cause I was chasing the, my baseball coach, my varsity baseball coach in high school. I was chasing his daughter and it was, mm-hmm. that was the thing. Like every night at nine o'clock after the episode was over, like I would pick up the phone and call and like, you know, the first couple of times he would answer the phone and he would just, you know, be annoyed and you can hear him, you know, grunting in the background. Uh, but then, so like, then she just started answering the phone, you know, obviously. Cause so wait, you, you tried to like, Oh no, we that dated. Was like, that was your method of was like talking about Star Trek. Oh no, no, no. But it was just like at nine o'clock. Like I just knew every day after I finished watching next generation, it was time to call mm-hmm. my friend Christy and mm-hmm. um, your friend, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Very smooth. Which, uh, well, did like, did she watch it too? Or like, I don't remember. That's way too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was just like that was the that time was just the time of the night. I just First I do this and I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got it, got yeah. it. I thought you were saying you would like call her up and be like, "So did you see what Picard did?" And then oh, I was like, no. I was like, man, you were nerdier than I thought. No. But no, I, at least I don't. I don't recall. Uh, there was probably you know I probably brought it up <laughs> on occasion, but um. well, I mean, I think Next Generation is probably my favorite of the series, you know, but um. Had you seen like any of the original series before? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, which is the only reason why I would watch the next generation because I was a, I was a fan of the original, you know, Captain oh, cool. Kirk, um, yeah. you know, and obviously that ended, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So like the only other way to watch it is the next generation. So, but yeah, I did become a fan of Jean-Luc Picard. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's the best. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I forget all the other was Worf and Data, and yeah, I forget I forget all the other. Oh. There's Troy, and uh, there's Riker, and oh. um, I guess there's a uh, Yar, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Like but I it's been know. a while since I've watched any of it. But I did just watch this episode twice: um, the one last night nice. and the once. This is a really goofy episode. It was, <laughs> so like, yeah, I don't remember them being this goofy. And I'm glad it's not your first one. It's <laughs> funny watching older shows as an adult and like yeah. seeing hints of like the sexual interactions. Yeah. I was like, this, this episode is very weirdly sexual. Like, yeah. so much. Yeah. I was like, uh, I don't <laughs> remember this growing up. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I got that too when I was rewatching. I was like, dang, like, there's a lot of sexual undertones in yeah. this. And it's interesting because the guy that wrote it is uh, Theodore Sturgeon. He's like a famous science fiction author. And uh, he wrote the script and he also wrote. Um, a mock time, which is the one where uh, Spock goes to the planet Vulcan because he has like crazy 
like sexual urges that he can't control. Do you remember this? No. Okay. Well, it's like apparently for Vulcans every couple of years or whatever, they, they just get these like crazy urges that they like, they're going to kill themselves or die or something like that if they don't go back to their home planet and like mate, you know? Yeah. So they're kind of like salmon. They have to like return, you know? And, uh, or just so, go to the bathroom anyway. and masturbate, you know? I mean, I don't think that's an option for them, man. I think it's like, that's the whole point is like, they have no release unless they like do this thing. So, and it's like highly ritualized because, you know, like most of their lives, they like repress everything and they don't feel, you know, they're not like, they don't really cry or laugh or anything. So they, it's like, it's all concentrated in this like one time in their life. Um, So, but anyway, he wrote that episode, which is it's one of the episodes that gives us like some of the most backstory on Spock and Vulcans. It's like the first time we go to the planet Vulcan. It's pretty cool. Um, But it's definitely interesting that like both of those episodes and he won a Hugo for that episode. It's a really good one. But um, he also wrote this one, which is super goofy. And like the thing that they have in common is like all of that sexual undertone stuff, which is interesting. Got it. But yeah. Anyway. um, But so the premise of this episode it's called Shore Leave, and basically the entire crew of the Enterprise needs a break from tour. So <laughs> they've all been going at full speed. Nobody's taking any time off. The captain is like super grumpy and he has kinks in his back, and you know, the like really hot yeoman's like trying to massage him, but then like he he thinks it's Spock massaging yeah, him for some reason. I'd love that. that like, just- I've never seen Spock really prank anybody. <laughs> And he's like, I'm just going to stand next to you. So, you know, it's not me because you think it's me. Yeah. Yeah. He pranks him like twice in this episode, yeah. which I love. But also like, why does he think that Spock is? Yeah. Why, yeah. Like, is like a thing he does a lot or like. Yeah. Same. So I have questions about that. But also then he gets like very like upset when he finds out, you know, it's like this yeoman doing it, which I guess he's like celibate. I don't really know. There, there's a lot of episodes where he kind of like, he's like, oh, the ship is my lady or whatever, you know? And you're like, that's weird. <laughs> but I guess it's like, it's kind of hard to date if you're the captain because like nobody on the ship is really your equal. Like everybody just works for mm-hmm. you. So like the dynamics are a little off, but, and I think that's why like in next generation Picard and Dr. Crusher are a thing oh, yeah. because she's like the only person on the ship that can actually like give him orders, you know? Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like, they're sort of on equal footing there, I guess. But, um, yeah, anyway, Kirk, he does have a love interest in a lot of the first season, which is Yeoman Rand. And she's uh, played by Grace Lee Whitney, but she she gets written off the show. And this is like the first episode that she's not in. So she was actually, she was in the original script, but then they just replaced her with this other hot yeoman, yeoman Barrows, the brunette. So um, yeah, she's the one that kind of has like the basket weave blonde hairdo. I don't know if you've seen that like in pictures, uh-uh. but anyway, anywho. But so we get Ensign Barrows instead, um, who gets a lot of screen time in this episode. She's played by Emily Banks, who wasn't in a ton of things. She got her start when she was Miss Rheingold for Rheingold Beer, actually. Um, and she was like a model on a game show. But she's she's pretty new to the whole acting gig. And I think she does a really good job in this episode, actually. Like, I, I think the script is like not doing her a lot of favors. Like she doesn't have a ton to work with, mm-hmm. but I do think she does. She does a good job. what did you think of, uh, what did you think of her? Yeah, she was, she was definitely attractive. I didn't realize like she wasn't normally in the show and the main love interest wasn't, um, in there, but it seemed like her and, um, the doctor were kind of, you know, mm-hmm. having their little moment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's like kind of first in the beginning, she's sort of flirty with Kirk and you think like that that's going to be a thing. But then later on, she's kind of paired up with the doctor. Yeah. But it did definitely feel like they were kind of trying her out to see if she would be like a good regular on the show. Um, So it makes me kind of wonder why they didn't bring her back. But but yeah. And then so they go to this planet and it's like this kind of paradise planet. There's no animals or people. And... I I don't know if I totally get that because like it is a good planet for like hiking or like swimming in the lake or something. But it, like if you're into the outdoors, if you're like an REI person, then yeah, that's that's great. But like 
you know, what if your thing is like going clubbing or like shopping or, you know, going to see a play or something like, then you're just kind of shit out of luck. There's not even like a restaurant. Well, There's not a red lock. How how do you know (laughs) that? Like if somebody thought of it, then they probably would have manufactured a red lobster, you know? Yeah. I mean, they should have, they should have manufactured a red lobster is what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, which essentially, like, once I figured that out without them saying what was going on, I guess once Spock came down and kind of, you're like, what were you thinking right before? You know, I was like, oh <laughs> shit, this is Westworld. Like, this is yes, I thought that too. Yeah, I was yeah. like, this is probably where West Westworld came from. But I don't know if you also picked this up at the very beginning of the episode, which is like it was right after the credits and them, you know listing everybody who's part of the, the TV making. Uh, mm-hmm. He's talking about, um, you know, start date three Oh two five point three or whatever it was, mm-hmm. but we are orbiting, orbiting an, an uninhabited planet yes. in the Omicron Delta region. Yes. I knew you were going to say that. I did write that down too. I was, I was like, like, wait, wait. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> They're in Omicron Delta. And so are we. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a minute. I was like, is somebody in the CDC a Trekkie? I know. It was like, it was too much for me. I was like, no, no, no. That can't be. That's what, is that what they, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, what well, is it? Is it Omicron or is it Omnicron? What are they saying? I'm like, no, you know, Omicron Delta. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're in the Omicron Delta region. So there you go. But yeah, I mean, it definitely got a lot of Westworld vibes. It also reminded me a lot of like the holodeck, you know, in Next Gen. Uh, um, but it's like in Next Generation, there's another pleasure planet, which is Risa, which is also super sexual. But it's like, it's just a tropical beach, basically, but it's a planet. And you can go there like by yourself. You can go there with your girlfriend. You can go there like to just ha- have casual hookups or whatever, but it's not like there's no kind of holodeck element yeah. or whatever. It's just like a normal, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, for me, like what I started scratching my head after watching the the whole thing was just like, all right, like why did you have to wait for this one dude to come and show himself? And you know, cause that's the reason why he said yeah. he came out. Like I came out because y'all don't understand where you're at. Like this is, which which also makes no sense because like if the whole premise is that like the planet just like reads your mind and knows what you want and then just like makes it for you like can't the planet tell that you want to know like what the fuck's going on <laughs> like, well i think again that's why he appeared himself, appeared but like for me it was just like but it took him like the whole episode like so i just feel like he's probably just messing with them you know yeah but again for me is like all right you're on shore leave like everyone should be in a good mood why would you think of Finnegan who you hated in basic training, which yeah, I don't this, like to use yeah. the word hate, but I hated no. that character. He no, I was hated that dude. Annoying. <laughs> you just immediately want to kick yes. his ass. Which I think is like, you know, I mean, I can't, which I get, you know, like that scene where it, it, it lasts way too long, yeah. but the fight scene where they're just like punching each other over and yeah. over. I'm like, I get this. Like, this looks like it's relieving a lot of stress for you. But yeah. also, <laughs> like, I don't know. Is nobody just, like, imagining, I don't know, like, a pizza? I know I'm, I'm talking about a lot of food. Yeah. But, like, I just feel like, <laughs> you know, there's other things to imagine. Yeah, you walk to this pond kind of beach like I'm like, oh, I'm thinking of a Mai Tai right now. Like, Yeah, a Mai Tai and, like, a yacht. Uh, who's thinking and, of, like... like <laughs> Ponce de Leon, I forget the one character that she thought of. I was like, no, it was Don Juan. Juan, There you go. (laughs) But like, yeah, who's and who's thinking of a tiger? Who like? Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's the thing too. Is like all the men like think of these like really aggressive, like violent things. You know, it's like warplanes and like you know samurai and tigers and you know beating up people. And then all and then the one girl is like. I'm a princess, you know, yeah. and then like <laughs> either that or she wants to be like, you know, sexually assaulted by this, you know, fictional character. So I, it's just like a very strange, like, I, yeah. all of that to me was, was pretty frustrating. She like, 
Okay, the Don Juan part. So, like, basically she screams and then they run over and her uniform's all ripped. Yeah. And she's, like, traumatized because, like, some dude in a cloak, like, just tried to, I guess, rape her. Yeah. You know? But that's, like, what she was imagining about. So, it's, yeah. like. And then, and then like, so, like. And then Captain Carter's you know, like, hey, give me your report right now. Straighten up. And, like. Yeah. Oh, and that was after, that was after McCoy died. Which, like, <laughs> yeah, nobody forget. was upset enough about. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so crazy. Like, she's assaulted, like, two minutes later, she's, like, flirting, and she's like, I want to wear a princess dress. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just such a strange, strange episode. Um, just, like, strange. all of the fantasies are really weird. And I don't know. That that part did make a lot of sense to me. But anyway, um, yeah. So a lot of this episode was uh, was filmed at this like animal training preserve called Africa USA. And they, you know, they, they hired a tiger. And uh, initially I think Captain Kirk, like uh, Shatner, he wanted to wrestle the tiger and he was like upset when they were like, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Um, but then I guess he rethought that and was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, there was also an elephant that they paid for and had on set, but then they ran out of time to use it. Um, so, but most of this episode was trained in this like animal training preserve, but some of it, there's a few scenes that are in the Vasquez rocks, natural, natural park area. And you might not know what that is, but like, if you Googled it, if anybody listening Googled that, you would know exactly what Vasquez rocks is because it's in like everything. Cause it's just this, it's like this park that's like 30 miles North of LA and it has these kind of distinctive kind of jagged rocks and it's just been used in like so many movies and TV shows and it's in all kinds of Star Trek episodes, but this is the first episode that it's in, but it's in like, you know, Bill and Ted's bogus journey. It's in Gunsmoke. It's in Buffy, the vampire slayer. It's in Jay and silent Bob strike back. It's in monk and army of darkness, Austin powers. It's in the power Rangers. It's like the, uh, it's the command center for the power Rangers is Vasquez rocks. So it's just kind of interesting because it's been like in a million things. And in Star Trek, it was in that really famous episode arena, which is the one where Kirk fights a Gorn. Do you remember what a Gorn Mm -hmm. is? (laughs) It's like the giant lizard thing. Yeah. So it's in that one and it's in a couple other um, Star Trek episodes. And it's also in like several of the Star Trek movies. It's in Voyage Home and um, it's in a couple, it's in like a next gen episode and a Voyager episode and Star Trek Enterprise episode, and also in the 2009 Star Trek movie, and in Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, and in the new series, Star Trek Picard, it's where the character Raffi lives. So it's in like two different episodes in that show, but that's the first time in Star Trek that Vasquez Rocks is actually Vasquez Rocks, and it's not like supposed to be something else, you know? Hmm. So just kind of an interesting, it's like definitely one of these like landmarks that trekkies often go to where was this africa park that is also in the greater la area i believe um but i would have to google that to make sure (laughs) but that was not in a lot of things yeah made it seem like it was like i mean it wasn't a lot of it wasn't a lot of tv and movies but not in a ton of star trek like there was like graffiti on trees (laughs) like it was like that was that was like red spray paint that they used on trees and rocks to just make it look like a little more alien, um, which I think probably worked better on like 60s television sets than it looks now. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Because now, now it just looks like somebody spray painted it. Yeah, because it was like in the plants too, did. and I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody needs to scout better locations. I was like, what? To me, it was confusing because it just, I was like, is that supposed to be blood or is that like, like I just was confused by it, but then I was reading up on it and yeah, it's, it was just their way of like trying to make it look a little more alien or whatever. Yeah. But um, there's also a lot of Alice in Wonderland in this episode, mm-hmm. which is, it's in um, Star Trek Discovery a bunch as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of thing because the whole episode really does feel kind of like a drug trip. You yeah. Know? Um, and it's like a lot of like fantasy sort of stuff. And so I thought that was a good metaphor. And this is something kind of interesting. The white rabbit was played by William Blackburn, who was a professional ice skater. And the reason that that costume looks like so goofy 
um, is because he got it from the ice capades for free. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, but he played the white rabbit and the Gorn in the arena episode, and he was he was like claustrophobic, so he really hated putting on costumes like that. And at one point, they had kind of sewed the rabbit head onto the body, and he got he like freaked out and he like tore it off. Oh wow! <laughs> like when they were filming it, yeah, and they had to like replace it with Velcro. Um, but he also does like that goofy white rabbit voice. That's also him. Um, and he's been in like a total of like 61 episodes. He's been a bunch of like random crewmen. He's, there's a character named Hadley who's just basically like an all purpose crewman character that's in a lot of episodes. Um, and he's done a lot of voiceover work. He was also like the guy that they used for testing a lot of the makeup (laughs) for a lot of the aliens and stuff. Uh Um, and he eventually went into costuming, but he's, he's definitely been all over Star Trek. But yeah, I did like the scene where like Spock calls Kirk out and he kind of tricks him for the second time. Yeah. You remember that part? Very early on in the to get him to go on leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, You've got this crewman and his reaction time's way down and he's being irritable and quarrelsome and he's stressed and fatigued and like Spock's like, Well, and he doesn't want to rest and he has that right. But then Kirk's like, Well, a crewman's rights end where the safety of the ship begins. Uh-huh. Which was another like, <laughs> like interesting COVID tie-in, mm-hmm. you know, with this Omicron Delta. Whatever. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it, right? It's like you can be unvaccinated and unmasked, but like if you're going to do that, you don't have the right to just like be in society around everybody else and put everybody else's health at risk, you know? Yep, yep, so, yep. Yeah, it's like your personal freedom. Versus public safety. It's like your personal freedom ends where public safety starts. So, and I think that's like, it's a really good, you know, because on the Enterprise, it's like the captain can be a workaholic if he wants to be. But if the ship's going to crash into an asteroid or blow up, like if the Romulans are going to blow it up because he's tired and his reaction time is down, like, then yeah. Yeah. I mean, but again, like the, the Alice in Wonderland, like it's just mind boggling, like, you're on leave. Why are you thinking about bunny rabbits and little blonde girls? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think the segue was something like this place is like a wonderland. Oh and then yeah, he's like, that's right. But that doesn't really make sense because like wonderland's like a drug trip and the planet's just like super boring and nice, you know? So it's like, it's a paradise, but it's not a wonderland, you know? I don't know. I was confused by that too. But I feel like McCoy, he had, like, the most interesting fantasies, you know? Because he was, like, dreaming about, like, rabbits and showgirls and, you know, <laughs> just, like, it was a little more interesting. Well, I think once he realized, oh, I could fantasize anything, that's when he walks out with the two showgirls. Hey, guys, I'm yeah. not dead. I'm having a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, like, the feathers were so funny. Like, yeah. They look like Big Bird, but, like... In a strip club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe that was her stripper name was Big Bird. You know? <laughs> Could have. Could have been. I'll have to go look at IMDb uh, see what, what, what yeah. they named her. Well, it's funny you say that. I did look at IMDb because I'm always interested in knowing like who the women actors are in these. Mm-hmm. But they're not actually credited. So like oh, weird. we don't know who they are. Yeah. But yeah, there was also Teller and Rodriguez. And Teller is played by the actress who plays Ensign Martine in the last episode. And in that episode, her fiance died. So it was kind of weird because she's in like these two episodes back to back. And in the last one, her fiance died. And in this one, she's like kind of hitting on Rodriguez. So it's sort of sort of strange. Oh, but yeah. um and she's Angela in both episodes. And I think they realized that, but by that point, like they'd already called her Teller. Instead of Martine, so she's Angela Teller, I guess, but she's kind of the same character. But she's played by uh, Barbara Baldwin, who was the wife of the Star Trek casting director, um, and then later she became the casting director. So, oh, well. but she was in like four, yeah, she was in like four episodes of Star Trek. Um, one of in one of those, her scenes were cut, but she was so really, I guess, three. But she, yeah, she was in four. Um, and then Rodriguez is a guy named Perry Lopez who was in a lot of TV and film, but he wasn't in a lot of Trek. This was like his only Trek episode, but he was in Creature from the Black Lagoon and Chinatown and a bunch of other things. 
Um, the, but the yeah. original air date was in late December 1966. There you so go. we're recording this right around the same time it would have aired in, you know, 60 some odd years ago. Plus. Yeah. How many years ago would that be? Let's see. 2006, 2006, 16 would be 50. Mm-hmm. So 55, 55 years mm-hmm. ago. Wow. But so uh, then there's all the rabbit tracks. And so the thing about the rabbit tracks is once the you see the rabbit tracks and once Kirk, Kirk gets punched in the face, then you know that like they're not really hallucinating because yeah. it's like affecting things in the real world, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, Which is... That part was kind of that is definitely like some weirdness about that, but um, I don't know. What do you think about who? What do you think about a uh, Sulu in this episode? Uh, Sulu. Well, that was the weird thing too because he found the gun. All the mm-hmm. phasers stopped working, but yet that gun that still gun worked because st- it killed the Black Knight, and then that's when they realized like this guy is like plant-based he's manufactured and you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Sulu. I mean, I didn't think anything like peculiar of him. I thought it was, um, I thought it was cool. Cause there's another episode called the naked time where he, it's basically the equivalent of him getting drunk. You know, there's like this virus that makes everybody drunk mm-hmm. and he starts like sword fighting all over the ship <laughs> with like his, his shirt off, you know, mm-hmm. But it's a cool episode because he he was it was supposed to be like a samurai sword originally mm. and because he's like his character is Japanese descent but George Takei was like hey actually I think it should be like a rapier you know um like Errol Flynn or something because that's kind of racist and a stereotype and like this is the future and he can just be into whatever kind of swords he wants to be into um so you got this like real sword fight which you know, actually, George Takei is really into sword fighting in real life, so it was, it was definitely cooler. You know, and it mm-hmm. made his character like more well-rounded and three-dimensional, and less of just like a stereotype. But then they kind of ruined it. Like, first he has the uh, revolver, and I'm like, cool, okay, yeah, this makes sense. He's into like ancient weapons or whatever. But then, all, then there's like the samurai, mm-hmm. and it just like ruined it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. That's kind of how Star Trek is. Like one minute they're doing something like very progressive and you're like, that's awesome. And then the next minute there's like a samurai jumping out from under a rock mm-hmm. and you're like, oh man. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, this isn't slightly racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. just like the whole episode is like, I want to really love it, but I just kind of like it because like the sexism and the racism really just like gets in the way, you know, like it would be so fun if it wasn't for just that kind of nonsense. But anywho, um, I thought the like antennas were weird and I thought it was weird that like nobody noticed them just like popping up everywhere. Yeah. That was weird. I was like, (laughs) okay. I'm like, somebody's listening. All right. Somebody's about to attack. I'm like, what's happening? I was like, and then after you watch it, I'm like, Oh, I guess they were just listening to conversations so that things would appear. Like, so so everything was just like things that you said, I guess, mm-hmm. instead of things that you were thinking. But but that doesn't make sense because then like there's the scene where he's like where Kirk is holding the flower, you know, and then he just like gets this look on his face and then Ruth shows up. Yeah, because he's thinking, yeah, he never said it out loud. He was never talking about right. a woman. Yeah. So then I'm like, what's the point of the... Is it like for brain waves? Yeah. Or like what is it? You know. Maybe that's why like the point so. of them showing it, like, yeah, to, it's reading your brain versus just <laughs> what you know. say. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wonder if could that technology exist? There was, you just have a brain reader. There was many questions in this episode, but. Um, yeah, there's like a yeah. tiger, which makes no sense. Nobody knows why the tiger's there. Like, did somebody want there to be a tiger? I don't, you know. I, I think it was a two a for one. Sense. If you get this tiger, I'll throw in the elephant for free. <laughs> yeah. And, then they never use the elephant. they never use the elephant. I didn't know. It's like, I didn't know there was an elephant until you said so. Well, either way, I mean, elephant or no, it still doesn't make sense to just randomly have a tiger. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know why there's a tiger in this episode. It looks cool, but I don't know what it's for. Um, 
Anyway, and then like McCoy dies and everybody gets over that like super fast. Yeah. Um, and they're still just like Kirk and Spock are still just like, like we're still trying to just figure out this planet instead of just, I don't know, sending like one of their, you know, shuttlecraft to just pick everybody up, yeah, you know, like Spock figure out um, how to get us out of here. Like, yeah. Like let's figure it out when we're back on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. But, um, well, I guess I can't communicate with the ship because all the communication's down. So that makes sense, I guess. But uh, anyway, so they're just like, and then there's like the fighter plane that like kills Angela. No one cares. No one brings it Does up. Does she die? Like, um, I wasn't sure. She like, gets shot down by a fighter plane. Yeah, I was like, wasn't sure. She just like, felt, did she faint? I was like, I was questioning myself. I'm like, I don't see blood. Like, because we saw we blood. We don't know. Yeah, but we saw blood on, on McCoy. Yeah, that's true. But like, nobody goes to like check, you know, like Rodriguez doesn't. You know, like, yeah. I don't, nobody mentions her again. Like, it's just so yeah. strange. Was she at the yeah. end whenever the showgirls showed up? I think so. Yeah, I want to say she was, but I, I would have to go back and look. Yeah. But apparently, you know, and that's the other thing is like they fix McCoy, you know, and uh, he like went under the surface for some rather remarkable repairs. And he like comes up with like his vegetable based you know, cabaret girls or whatever, which I guess they just like sexed him up down there. I don't really know like what that, <laughs> what that implies. Well, that's the thing too. It's like, like did I he guess, really die? Yeah. Like, did he, I like, don't, was he just like resurrected or did he just like think he was dead? Did they, yeah. was that an illusion? Once he hit the ground, like, like hey, play dead, you know? Uh, yeah. Like what, did they knock him out? Like, I don't know. And then why did, if, if that was true, why did everybody think he was dead? Cause they took his pulse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, like, if he actually – so he, like, dies and he's, like, resurrected and nobody's, like, weirded out by it. Nobody's like, hey, what was death like? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, did you see God? You know, like, nobody has any questions for him at all. And he just, like, shows up with cabaret girls and everything's fine. It's, like, super weird. Um, I forget. How long were these episodes? Were these oh, – they were 50 minutes. So they were hour long. Like an hour. Yeah. And uh, – so yeah, I guess, but they're, then they're just like, fine. Okay. Well, everything's fine here. And they just like beam the rest of the crew down. Hopefully they give them some kind of instructions. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Like, okay. Just, only think good thoughts. <laughs> don't fucking think of stupid <laughs> shit while you're down here. Nobody think of tigers yeah. like, <laughs> or fighter planes or whatever. Um, and then Kirk's going to go back, but then his, his vegetable based girlfriend shows up. Again, yeah. So he's going to hang out with her, I guess. And, and Spock's just like, yeah. this is illogical. And that's in the episode. Um, yeah. It was very strange. What did you? What were your thoughts on this one? Um, As a whole, you know, I it was it was weird. Um, <laughs> but then again, I was like, well, I mean, it was kind of also. I don't know if there was other shows that have done this type of like idea before, but like it started to make me think. I'm like, well, what if this is like the creator of Westworld was a huge Trekkie, yeah. you know? This is how, yeah. you know, things, like, this is how it became, you know. So I, I did like that, kind of mm-hmm. thinking about it in that in that way, but. Um, right. Like, I think it definitely, like, it's, it um, sort of cleared the path for a lot of, like, um, science fiction that sort of deals with these kind of topics. For so sure. Like, like Westworld, you know, like, what if we could create a world that's full of like human like robots mm-hmm. that just fulfill our weird, violent sexual fantasies or whatever or darkness. And, you know, it's the thing about Westworld that I love is that like, it's pretty obvious from the first episode that if we could do that, it would end up being fucked up. <laughs> like yeah. It would end up really like, there's some real problems with that and that we would also kind of lose our humanity a little bit in that. And it's not going to be this like fun, lighthearted thing, which is what's so interesting about this episode is it's sort of like, there is some darkness in this episode with the Don Juan thing and with like people dying and like, you know, there's definitely darkness, but at the end it's like, Oh, it was all a fantasy. So it's totally fine. Everybody's smiling and it's, you know, it's just your imagination. So it's totally fine. And it's like fun and lighthearted. And I, I think that was the part that didn't ring like totally true for me. You know, mm-hmm. like I was like this. I mean, it's it makes for like a fun episode, but I was also like, that's not how that day would end, you know. Yeah. But um, I don't know. But it is like the holodeck too. So, but um, well, uh, moving on. What 
what was the song that you picked that like paired well with this episode? Well, I misread your instructions, so I picked two songs. But really, <laughs> even three pick- songs. You can pick three if you want. That's fine. No, it's all right. I mean, the main song uh, was the Beatles. Um, uh, what the hell did I say? Uh, Lucy in the Sky. Lucy in the Sky. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all about, you know, Alice in Wonderland. So. Right. And it's also kind of a drug trip song, yeah. sort of. Yeah. That and I guess you normally interview other artists, so you ask them to pick their own songs. Yeah. That, you know. Yeah. So normally I interview musicians and it's like, all right, what's a song of yours? And it doesn't have to make any sense with the episode, but just like one of theirs to feature, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and since you're not a musician and I have had like a couple industry people on here, I just like ask, I ask you to just pick something that you are involved in in some way. Uh Um, so, you know, one of the bands that you've worked with and you picked a song by the wild reeds, I think, I I think it's a cover. I picked two covers from that they did, (laughs) um, which was one that you've already picked already. Pure imagination, because like this whole thing, Mm -hmm. this whole episode was about, your imagination and like then it would appear yeah but i don't have their version of it so that's cool um and then the other one is also on that same they, they did a little covers ep last year two years ago um mm-hmm. and they also because it's supposed to be in a, an inhabited planet um one of their other songs was i think we're alone now uh, yeah oh okay. by, by tiffany so <laughs> nice yeah um, and I picked, uh, white rabbit by Jefferson airplane. Oh. Do you know this? song? I do. It's like, go ask Alice song, you know, mm. which is another drug trip song basically, yeah. but, um, also about Alice in Wonderland, but it was written by a uh, Grace Slick who, when she, she talked about it in an interview and she said that the white rabbit is like a metaphor for curiosity. Cause it's this thing that you follow to like find out who you are, you know, for sure. And end up, in this weird world or whatever. So I like that idea. And I also, she also talked about how um, she kind of relates to and appreciates Alice as a heroine. Cause she's not just like a princess looking for a knight, you know, she's like, her journey is not to like be saved, but her journey is about just self-discovery and just like curiosity. So since there's so much like princess sexes bullshit in this song, I thought maybe that would be a good alternative um, female character for us. So, yeah. Sweet. So we don't have, um, because you're not a musician, we don't have like a new album or a tour that we're promoting for you. There's nothing like to shout out. And obviously I'm going to be laying low at my mom's place till the spring when I'm on tour again. But I know that some of the other artists that you're working with are putting out, uh, some new material. Um, isn't so Dave, you talked about David Ramirez's new EP. You want me to talk about it? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to mention it. No, you talk about it. I mean, I can. Oh, you. no. Um, it's a collab here. A studio here in town invited him out um, to record an EP for free. Uh, and it was a beautiful studio um, here in the Hill Country. And um, put a band together and um, record live to tape. And, um, that was one thing that I guess David had forgotten while recording. He's like, all right, well, yeah, let's go and do a, a, a overdub and uh, add some guitar here. <laughs> and the producer's like, Hey man, like, uh, no, like that's it. Like we can do another take, <laughs> you know, you can call another guitar player in if you want some more guitar, but like, that's it, <laughs> you know? Cause they were just, I'm sure it was awesome. Yeah. Like, no, I'm it sure it all sounded great. And he's, he's come around, um, since, you know, listening to it and, you know, I think it's a great, it's definitely a different way to do it though. Yeah. I, I get that. You know? Yeah. Um, it, it came out great. I think, uh, you know, for a live recording, um, and it's stuff cool. that he's been playing at shows a lot lately. And, and when he had that whole band run, um, in September, like it, it was definitely a, a barn burner. Um, you mean the song, the title, the track? title track? Yeah. Rules and Re- rules, rules and regulations. regulations. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's one of my favorites of his new stuff. It's really good. Yeah, um, but uh, and there's also uh, Delta Spirit and uh, yeah, Delta Spirit Wild and Wild Child. Child both have come out of the studio, so they both recorded um, new album or materials for like, like new albums. Album? Yeah, for both full length albums. Cool. Um, you know, there's and they're those like 2022 projects or sorry. I assume they'll be 2022. You know, they still need to be doctored up and mixed and mastered and all that stuff and. But yeah, um, I would assume one of those two for sure in 2022. Um, I probably expect fall, fall releases. But with David, um, David's release should be first quarter for sure. Oh, that's cool. um, the other partner, other than the studio, was this local coffee shop called Try Hard Coffee. So they mm-hmm. basically did a short interview about David's music only and then they created a coffee flavor based off of those questions that's cool um so they'll bundle the vinyl that we're getting and we're only pressing 200 copies on vinyl um and then well super limited you'll get a bag of coffee with it and it'll come with some other nice little treats um it's a genius marketing strategy. A nice little bundle. Um, so, yeah, keep your ears peeled for that because it will definitely sell out pretty quick. Keep your ears peeled and your taste buds primed. Yeah. <laughs> Set your alerts on Instagram for David Ramirez because once he posts Set it. your instant coffee maker. Yeah. Instant coffee maker. You know, that's funny because I, I just, know yeah, I just Googled, like, during the start of COVID, I bought this nice fancy bean crusher maker espresso bean thingy uh, yes the fancy bean crusher Cream bean <laughs> crusher know thing one. you know no what i'm talking, what talking about, about. <laughs> grinder no grinder that's the word i'm thinking of um, i've used it a lot apparently i have not but i bought two bags of coffee at the very beginning and then i was like last night i was googling how long do unopened unopened bags of beans last and sadly it said nine months so uh whatever i bet they're still good yeah i would totally still use it if it was me but then again like i have used coffee that's been in my cabinet for a really long time oh yeah i'm still gonna use it like it's yeah it'll be fine i'm not a coffee snob by any means Um, i feel like you can put it in your freezer that well that's what i said like if it's just an unopened it's like six to nine months but if it's Mm -hmm. an unopened unsealed or sealed unopened and you put it immediately in your freezer it can last two years no that's cool yeah at least that's what the google says anyway i used to work at starbucks and i used to know shit like that but i don't anymore so yeah yeah i was a air quotes barista (laughs) nice (laughs) But anyway, yeah, but I will put the links to that new David Ramirez EP with the coffee vinyl combo package limited edition thing. Um, I'll put a link to uh, his website and Delta Spirit and Wild Child's websites. That way anybody listening can uh, join the mailing list, find out about those new releases coming out. And, you know, if and when touring is coming back for everybody, you'll be the first to know. So, yeah, and I think that's that's about it. Word. You have anything else you want to you want to tell the good people of the internet? Nope. I'm sorry, I'm not a big diehard Trekkie. I, it's okay. I don't want to. I, I know I'm going to get an email from one of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll I'll actually read well, that. I'll actually read that one because I used. To, we're not going to give anyone your email address. <laughs> no, the one so, I get copies yeah. of that too. Oh right, because they come through the website. They come so through. Yeah. Videos. Yeah. Yeah. If if you guys are reviewing Troubadours on, on track out there. Be gentle because I will website, read it. <laughs> just know that Fabian is reading your emails and has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So be gentle. So, so, yeah. There you go. Sweet. Um. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it. No worries. I hope this was decent enough. It was it was excellent, and uh, you know more than most. Actually, I mean, you were able to name at least several next generation characters, which not everybody that comes on this can or wants to do. Yeah, but we're not talking about next generation. Still, any kind of Star Trek 
is a plus. This has been another strange new episode of Troubadours on Trek. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever listening platform you use and head on over to patreon.com slash Grace Pettis to join the crew. This is your host, Grace Pettis, giving her all she's got, beaming out. See you at the next Shore Leave.